What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to Not So Good Ideas Podcast. I'm Bree here with Eleni. Hi, and welcome to another episode where we talk about interior design and try to entertain you guys at the same time. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I think it's been a busy week for both of us. <laughs> yeah, it's been a crazy week, but I'm good. I heard you're going on a trip. We're going on a road trip to see some of Eric's family this weekend. How far is the drive? We're going to Omaha. So I know it's, I don't know for sure, but I know it's long. <laughs> At least you can take a nap. <laughs> yeah, I need like five naps. <laughs> Just read a good book or an audio book or podcast and get some road trip snacks. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite road trip snack? Oh, I like some jerky mm. <laughs> or, um, you know, like the classics, like sunflower seeds. Yeah. Chips. Those are good. I like those too. But I always have to have something sweet because I have a sweet tooth. I like like the little sour gummy worms. Mm. Really good on a road trip, or like me and Dylan love Hubba Bubba. We like have like bubble gum blowing contests in the car. Really? Oh my gosh! Well, Eric, he eats those like sour worms all the time. So yeah, I try to get like like cavity ridden. They really are. (laughs) They're not good. Not good for you. Anything sticky, I feel like, that has sugar in it is probably not that great, even though I eat gum. On... You still on your gum kick? Yeah, I love gum. <laughs> the rest of your life. I want, and like, um, I order the snacks for our office, like all the snacks and the sweets. And the recently, I ordered a big pack, a big bag of gum. Like for the office. Oh my god. <laughs> You're gonna be the one that eats the whole thing. Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's funny. But I didn't know they came in like these huge bags. I mean, it's kind of bad because they're individually wrapped. I mean all gum is, but they come like little individually wrapped pieces. But there's I think it was like five hundred pieces of gum in there. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's crazy. That's a yeah. lot of gum. I know. But hey, when you have clients coming in and you just had garlic, gotta have some gum. That's true. It's very <laughs> true. So how have you been? What's new? Um, nothing much. My good idea is I just got noise canceling headphones. Oh. 
which have been great. I put them on and I get like all my chores done because I can't hear anything, which is great for me. But Dylan hates it because he's like upstairs, like calling my name (laughs) and has no idea where I am. And then he'll just hear me like humming in the laundry room. He's like, hello, where have you been? (laughs) I'm like, oh, me. Oh, this is doing my chores. (laughs) Wow. What kind are they? They're by Sony. I don't know, like the name of them. Just but random. yeah and yesterday was the first time I used them at the gym it was crazy I couldn't hear like anybody around me which is kind of scary wow. that's spooky because you like lose one of your senses but I don't know I kind of like it it makes me focus a lot better so a well, plus. that's good <laughs> so do you have a good a not so good idea um yes and it is having a dog who passes gas, I think, every, like, 10 minutes. Um, it's become quite the issue because I bring him to work every day and all everybody smells is his gas. And it's not like a human's <laughs> gas. It's, I don't know how to like explain Like a creature. It. Like, Maybe like a compost. Like you ever smell like a compost bin? Oh God! Yeah, yeah. yeah. smells like that every ten minutes, and it's gotten so bad. Like I, I feel like I'm just breathing in methane like constantly because it's just, isn't that what comes out of farts? <laughs> so yeah, it's been pretty bad. I feel like everything I've been breathing in is methane. So we ordered him. It's cocoa, by the way. If you couldn't guess which dog <laughs> it was, we ordered him these supplements and they seem to be working like they've been working pretty well like he'll once in, like every now and then he'll pass gas and it's pretty bad but forgot to give them to him tonight after he ate dinner mm-hmm. and I almost threw up oh god ew so stinky and I've never had a dog that has passed gas that much like blue I can maybe count on one hand how many times he's passed gas? <laughs> Coco, I can't even count on one hand by like the hour. So I many feel times. Like it's that dog breed or something, like his breed. I guess, but it's awful because I've like tried so many different foods, like done everything. Now he's like on like probiotics, has to take all these different things. And I feel like that's not good for them either to like have to always take that stuff. So. Um, I just feel bad for people that I work with. Sorry, guys. <laughs> listening. Goodness. That's a bummer. Yeah, but anyways. <laughs> perks of it's having really a funny. dog. Yeah. <laughs> like a kid. It really is. So bad. And you can't, like, shame him. He doesn't care. Well, the one thing he'll do is, like, if you say, like, P.U., he gets really mad and he'll, like, jump on you and, like, push you. And I don't know why. I don't know why PU triggers him. Like, if you say, like, really aggressively and you wave your hand, he gets really upset. Really? (laughs) Stop tooting. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's funny. He's got a little personality. Yeah. I want to get him, like, a little bubble I can put on his butt. (laughs) Yeah, he needs, like, a little containment zone. Something you're like an air freshener attached to his tail every time. <laughs> Literally, That's funny. What about you? Do you have a good or not so good idea? Um, my not so good idea is when ordering light fixtures, make sure you always check that the light can go on what kind of ceiling you have like if you have a slope ceiling you have to have a particular slope on your light fixture like we talked about last week is that what we talked about we were talking about the linear fixture that went on the vaulted ceiling oh yeah pretty much like this it like the canopy itself like some of them don't work on like sloped ceilings oh man so we yeah so just 
everyone should always check because <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a big no-no oh no did this happen recently <laughs> um yes that's all i can say okay <laughs> you're leaving me in suspense but okay yeah it's just like when you make a mistake you have to go back and fix it or you know mm-hmm. good <laughs> anyways um my good idea is i started uh reading the book 101 essays that will change the way you think have you ever heard of that no oh it's like kind of all over instagram but it's really good it's like about thinking through your life like a little bit deeper and you know very self-help but like not you know not too much and it's really good it's like a really mindful book so i like that yeah so you'll have to read it i feel like you would like it mindfulness is always a good idea (laughs) yeah yeah Mm -hmm. read it oh and also i'm almost done with stranger things oh yay um and it is crazy and scary yeah it is scary definitely scary but i feel like the story is really good it is good it's changed a lot yeah it's really intense now and i feel like the finale that's about to come out is gonna be i have a feeling it's gonna be heartbreaking yeah i'm not ready for it (laughs) i haven't watched the last i think we're on the last episode so don't don't say anything I'm not going to say anything. Also, probably people haven't finished it that are listening, so I'm not going to give spoilers. True, true. It's good, though. It's really good. It's just crazy. It is crazy. I feel like... Mm, everything, But they did really good from, like, because Dylan's been watching it from the beginning now. Like, a lot of this season kind of lines up with the rest of the seasons right. like a lot of times like a show just like loses the plot and just like how i don't know how it got there but i feel like with this there's mm-hmm. so many like little easter eggs from all the other seasons and episodes that lead up to this one so yeah really cool they definitely do like relate well it's just interesting like seeing this darker side Mm-hmm. I like it though. Yeah. <laughs> what have you have you been watching anything? Um, we just fin well, we finished a few things. We watched Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey, which was crazy. Um, hmm. and then we watched Under the Banner of Heaven, which is on Hulu. Which, that's also crazy. They're both about um Mormonism. Uh, they're both actually based off well the first one that i said was a documentary so it's obviously a true story but under the banner of heaven is based off of a true story which is crazy um and now we're watching the old man on hulu (laughs) (laughs) sounds scary it's scary but it's kind of good i can never remember that actor's name but he's like a well-known actor and dylan really likes him so Mm. just started that one it's pretty good but we're cranking through the shows that's good (laughs) i I don't know though because we have nothing else to watch so now we're watching love island came out with the new season oh gosh (laughs) we're watching that um which i'm about to go watch after this (laughs) I'm excited. <laughs> so today we have a super cool guest coming on. Um, we love talking to her and learning more about her life and how she, you know, got into where she is now. Um, we have Rachel from Land Studios coming on today. She designed the well-known disco chair that you guys have probably seen all over Instagram and TikTok and Pinterest and Facebook and pretty much everywhere. Um, (laughs) Super cool pieces of work. She's also 
an architect. So she kind of tells us a little bit more about a day in the life of that and also um, still creating magic for land studios. So if you guys will please welcome Rachel. How are you? What's going on? I'm good. I'm actually on the job site right now in a trailer. So perfect. (laughs) Jackhammering in the background. (laughs) No, it adds to like, you know, the ambiance of the interview. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Makes it a little bit more wholesome. Yeah. And thanks for joining us. I mean, that means you're dedicated, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I really, I actually really like talking to people about. The work because every time you talk to somebody about it you get you know a better idea of what you're after yourself and how people receive it so I always appreciate a interview or chat good totally yeah you're very <laughs> receptive so that's great mm-hmm. so where are you located right now so I mean at this very moment or where's my practice well I guess both <laughs> <laughs> Um, at this very moment, I am sitting in a job site trailer uh, at a residential construction site in Beverly Hills, California. Um, but I myself and my practice lives in the valley um, in a place called Canoga Park. Awesome. Yeah. This sounds really fun. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody, it's like a really unpretentious part of LA. I feel like everybody lives in this enclave of the city like, oh, I live in. Beverly Hills or Santa Monica, Venice, I live downtown or Silver Lake. And you have an idea of what person it is that lives there. Um, Uh And I live in this part of the valley that literally nobody has ever heard of before because it's kind of nowhere. Um, And so it's sort of, I always get a question, oh, where's that? Well, what's there to do there? It's like, (laughs) nobody has any clue. (laughs) Well, it already made you like 100% cooler that I have no idea where that is. North, it's like the most northwest part of the valley. Okay. Yeah. How long have you been there? I've been in my current spot about like a year and some change now, but I grew up in like on the border of Calabasas and Topanga Canyon. So I've been in the Northwest Valley my entire life, but not my entire life. I've lived other places, but that's where I was born and raised. And then I've been in this new spot, yeah, for just about a year now. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. So what make, why are you in Beverly Hills? What are you doing? <laughs> so I still work a day job, um, a day job. Um, I work as kind of like an on-site architect for a general contractor. Um, and I mean, I don't need to be in the trailer, but I really like it because the guys are literally working right outside. And if they have a question, they can come in and we can work through it Um, versus like a phone call and some back and forth. It's like a real time way to solve problems on site. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 I've learned more at this job probably than I learned. I mean, I came into this job with a lot of architectural knowledge, but I've probably learned more about like what each line I draw on the piece of paper is at this job than I ever did drawing the lines on the paper working for architecture firms for a decade. So yeah, I really love it. Wow. That's commitment right there. I need to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you're interested in architecture and interiors, like you learn like the best ways to to design efficiently to save money, to make sure you don't like lose your design um, like ethos or party because got value engineered out like you can really sort of like understand how construction changes like the design side of the work Um, and I do really appreciate it that's awesome Well, we're both interior designers and I can't say a contractor has ever invited me to a trailer so I'm kind of upset (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we actually, you know, we have, we work with some big ones in town. The job I'm on now is with one of the like huge interior design offices here in LA. And, you know, they haven't been to the trailer yet, but (laughs) we've started, samples have started to trickle into the trailer. Um, so hopefully soon the interior designers will trickle. I'm like the only girl around. So I know (laughs) once we get the designers in, like there will finally be other women on the job site. (laughs) yeah that's good yeah Yeah. that's awesome because usually 
I'm usually one, someone who's like always on site um, with the contractor and I'm always the only girl on the site and <laughs> yeah it's old well sometimes. our site has a ladies room and I keep it clean <laughs> we got our own porta potty and right that's now it's just awesome we as in me because I'm the only girl <laughs> did you have one of like your disco balls in there just to personalize it a little bit <laughs> no you know the trailer we have such a small trailer there's three of us in here and um it's literally, I think it's like eight feet by 20 feet. So oh. <laughs> we have like barely even enough rooms for the drawings and us three. So no, no personal <laughs> touches in here. Oh man. Kind of like that a prison cell. Cool. Yeah. There's bars on the window and everything. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So are you studying to be an architect as well as doing furniture or do you want to walk us through Kind of. Yeah, so I actually finished my education as an architect and just took the California state exam about a month ago now, and I did pass. So as of a couple days ago, actually, I got my stamp um, and license, and I am a licensed architect in the state of California. Wow, wow. congratulations. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time coming. That's amazing. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it, you know. People, I think, don't realize that architecture is like a profession, like a doctor or a lawyer. And there's like all the years of school. And then you also have like all the, you know, experience hours. And then you have the exams. And then you have your license. And there's different business structures and everything. It's wild. Yes, we get that a lot. People don't understand all the schooling and experience you need. And then how hard the testing is. I mean, that's... yeah. Yeah, it's hours and hours. Yeah, money. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I added up. One of the guys in the trailer asked me, like, how much I had to pay to get licensed. I was like, well, license is cheap. But, like, I added up in my head all the study materials, classes I've taken, all the times I took the test, all the times I took the test and failed. And, like, oh, my gosh, it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's ridiculous. It's daunting, too, for mm -hmm. anyone who hasn't taken their tests yet. It's pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was just going to say, so on top of being an architect, congratulations, but do you also do the furniture still? Are you still creating these pieces? Yeah, I am definitely still creating the pieces. I am. It's always been sort of a side thing, uh, but I mean, I... I love my job. I love being in the trailer and working on the job site. I love being an architect. I also really love making things. Um, so right now I do it 50-50, which means basically I work two full-time jobs. <laughs> Super wow. fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not willing to give up either. So it's just, I'm doing this to myself. I have nobody to blame but me, but you know, it's what it is. It's a passion. A passion yeah. doesn't work. <laughs> yeah except when you're staying up all night and crying a little bit then, then it's it's a little work I do manage to get my eight hours of sleep every night like that's one thing I won't give up is my eight hours of sleep so I do manage that uh it's my social Good. life I think that's taken the biggest beating in all of it but yeah I do manage to sleep <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of, yeah. this is our passion, the podcast on top mm -hmm. of our like full-time job. So we get that. We totally understand. Uh -huh. <laughs> so what kind of led you, you know, to the current path that you're on right now? Man, that's such a, that's <laughs> such a, it's a really hard question. I mean, like we could start at when I was born and then getting raised, but um. <laughs> <laughs> I was raised by two computer programmers um, and I was always really kind of like, I had a passion for math and science, like no lie. Um, but I was also like a really kind of like artistic kid, kind of weird and was always making things or taking things apart. So I guess at some point, uh, somebody, a teacher, my parent or a college counselor was like, well, why don't you study architecture? Um, and I thought that was a great idea because it was a way to tie in like all the art and the science and math, um, into sort of like one umbrella field. Um, 
And so I really, I like heeded that advice. And when I applied to colleges, I only applied to accredited architecture colleges. And at that time, there weren't that many. Most of them are private schools. Uh, nobody, my parents and me, we didn't want to pay for private school. And I just so happened to get into one public architecture school. It was out of state, um, but it was actually cheaper than me staying in state for a state school. Um, so I went to Arizona. Um, it was a really economical architecture school. <laughs> Sounds funny, but it turned out to be a great choice. Uh, it was very hands-on and we built models, we built mock-ups, we built pieces of houses, we built structural components. So, you know, we had a really heavy wood shop, metal shop, hands-on, like how do things actually like function under stress? How do things go together? Sustainability, how to build for the climate. Um, and it was really, you know, based in reality, not in renderings. <laughs> so it turned out to be a really good school for how my brain works. Um, and then I graduated in 2008. It was the best time to be an architect. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> the economy failed in the housing market. Nobody was building and not a single person I graduated with went into architecture, um, at least for that time being. Like there were no jobs. And at some point in my final year, I think my parents were like, the economy looks like it's not doing so good, Rach. Why don't you uh, go to grad school? And I was like, cool, okay. I applied to one grad school, got in. Um, and so I spent the one-year master's at UCLA, which is actually opposite of my undergrad. It was very um, like rendering and digital and kind of less based in reality and more based in like virtual design. Loved it. Got a job with Ben and Gaston, Balnoga's studio. They're rad. Um, so basically I worked in art fabrication for a year and like parametric modeling. Oh my gosh, this sounds like it's going on and on. I'm just, oh, I like oh, it. It's interesting. Yeah. So I spent a year doing that, which I loved. Like the way Gaston Nogues' brain works. Oh my gosh, I've never <laughs> met a man who could figure out how to make anything go together, come apart and like be kinetic at the same time as that man. Um, I learned so much from him. I think he was originally in the model shop at Frank Gehry's office. Like he had some what? crazy experience. Wow. Yeah. But they were both architects. Um, and then at some point I wanted to like go into traditional architecture, worked for an architect in LA, um, a really great one who really was like all about the drawing set and construction documents and, um, and while I was there, that first run was actually when I had my first side studio. Um, I think I called it Foam and Function uh, because I was making a lot of stuff with foam in the studio <laughs> because it was like cheap, lightweight, and I didn't need any tools to use it. Um, and I did that for a few years, moved to New York for a year, worked for a structural engineer, actually, as like an architect for a structural engineer. Um, and did all the coordination for like the Atlanta Falcons Stadium, um, this project by Moshe Softy called the Singapore Jewel, which is this like beautiful glass donut at the Changi Airport. Um, oh my what God. did I do after that? I know, came <laughs> back to LA for a bit, worked for the same architect I worked for before, managed a house. It was rad. Um, I'm actually still pretty close with one of the clients from that job. Then what did I do? Um, I left the architecture job, worked for myself for a minute, um, building a house in Oklahoma with an ex-partner. Um, that was a great experience. Had a really good time. Actually really loved the Midwest. Um, finished that house, needed to find what was happening next, came back to LA and sort of decided at that point that I wanted another job in my field, but not one that was with another architecture firm. I felt kind of like I had learned enough on the design side. I wanted to learn the building side. And I wanted a break from sort of like the big egos and like the, um, <laughs> uh, what other words could describe this that's less harsh, but I wanted a break from that side of architecture, but still staying in the field and sort of decided to take this job with a general contractor. And I think I just sent them my resume and was like, hey, I'd love to know how you price buildings. Uh, I want a position as an assistant project manager. 
And they were like, okay, we could do that. Or you could just come be an architect for us um, and work in the trailer. And it has been the best decision I probably ever made. I love my company. They treat me so well. Um, they're so respectful. They really value what I bring to the table. Um, so I'd highly recommend it for other designers to try and work on like the back end for their field. Um, however, that however you do that as like an interior designer, I'm not sure, maybe in like a textile fabricate, some other like offshoot of your field, um, just to get the like outsider's perspective of what you do in the field you're working in, I guess. Um, but yeah, since I've been here, I, you know, back in LA and having this like really awesome job where I'm like on site watching the dudes work all day, I was kind of able to really push my side hustle along. Um, this job also economically pays me much better than any architecture firm ever did. So I, you know, was able to sort of invest that money that that extra money I was making working in this field into my side hustle, the furniture. Um, and it's been doing really well. So it's been going well. Uh, yeah, it's been going well. That's kind of that's the, <laughs> yeah. that's the very long answer to how did I get here? Um, but you know, it all my work is really, like, they are really small architecture projects um, that end up being furniture scale, but they're all functional. They're all using whatever architectural knowledge I've gained. So yeah, that kind of is how I've gotten here, making architecture furniture and uh, working in architecture. That is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that and, and that's such an interesting road to take. I haven't heard anyone really like that I personally know take that road. So it brings a lot of insight into, you know, how much more you could learn by veering off, you know, the path of what you're destined to do according to school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, viewing your profession from the outside, but from the people actually like uh, down the road or up road from your profession, that's like knowledge that you can't get doing what you do. You have to like have that outside perspective to really be like, oh, how could they be doing this better? Like how, what information could they actually be giving me? Uh, it is, it's like hands down best thing I ever did. Wow, definitely. It sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah it'd, be it like, it'd be like a furniture designer working in a furniture fabrication house. Same thing. I will say I took... I minored in furniture design at school and mm -hmm. drawing furniture versus making it changed my whole perspective mm -hmm. on how things are built and how things are made. Cause you know, I have to do millwork drawings for work mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, now I kind of understand how to do this. Cause I had to make it. And it was painful thinking what I drew was actually <laughs> how it was made. <laughs> yeah. It's quite the opposite. So I, I, agree from that perspective for sure uh -huh. well speaking of making furniture um a lot of people know your chair the disco chair mm -hmm. so maybe you can describe that piece and what goes into making it and then what's next for you are you making any other furniture yeah so the disco chair is one of those things that like i don't know i had no idea that it was gonna like turn into this thing. But um, mm -hmm. I did a show a while back, it was an outdoor show. So all the pieces had to like be outside. Um, and I had a studio set up in um, Santa Monica Canyon. It's like this little road that kind of um, offshoots off into the Pacific Ocean that comes from Rustic Canyon, Santa Monica area and this lovely couple rented me their garage specifically to make the work for the show um which was beautiful I could like walk to the ocean I loved it and while I was there um I was working with inflatables to create the forms I was making for the show so for me I don't love reinventing the wheel. Um, so if I can find a fast, easy way to, for shortcut, I guess, uh, 
correct word for that. If I can find a shortcut, I prefer it. And I was working with inflatables to create spheres because that's like the easiest, cheapest way to create a sphere. They also pack to nothing. Um, yeah, so I was using inflatables and then had this idea, well, if I can make a sphere like this, what else can I make like this? And I started making um, cementitious forms over like inflatable chairs. Um, one of them I did, I covered in stone um, and that one's sort of child size but it's, you know, it's a good size stone chair. It's covered in Ozark draft masonry. Um, and then I also made one that I covered in white stucco. Actually, I think I made about three that were covered in white stucco. So there were a few of them. Um, and after the show, everything came back to the studio. And then I happened to accidentally flood the studio one night. I closed the garage door on a hose handle. I still don't know how it happened. I couldn't recreate it if I tried. Um, oh, everything turned out fine. Nothing actually got damaged. I just had to replace the garage opener, <laughs> but it was fine. Um, but then I had to move out of that studio and timing was absolutely insane in February, 2020, I closed <laughs> the studio, moved it to my folks house in the back, moved it. I mean, I moved everything into storage um, except for some of the larger pieces I had, which moved to my folks' backyard in the valley. Um, and so, you know, that happened and the pandemic happened. And so I was kind of like sitting at my folks' home, sort of like stuck there with my work, like, oh my God, what is life? And um, I was making work on this like 10 foot by 10 foot patch of concrete in their backyard, like whoa um and I was just staring at that form one day uh and decided I'd cover it in a bunch of mirror tile um and it was more a way uh I've described this before but it was more of a way to make the object disappear like if you cover the object in reflective mirror it takes on no material quality of its own it kind of like disappears into whatever is surrounding the object um and that's like a trick in architecture too. It's like, if you want to make a wall go away, stick a mirror on it. Um, <laughs> and the room is all of a sudden twice as big. So it was more of like an optical practice than it was actually making a disco chair. Uh, but as I was making it, I mean, I knew that it would do what it did, but I guess I didn't really like think it was going to be all that cool. Um, and you never know if things are going to like work until you do it. And it's like a final object. Um, but while I was making it, I documented it and like, I'm pretty transparent. I post like everything on Instagram. Um, and people just like really loved that this like bubble chair was reflecting light like a disco ball. So, um, I eventually ended up shooting it at a house, a friend, Andreas Larson lended me. He was working on, um, the Jean Gloria Killian and Poppy Peak. And I, hired movers I took this chair down this fragile beautiful old staircase that I still don't know why or how like he let me do this I'm like you're crazy I carried this like well I didn't but I had guys carry this like 400 pound mirror wrecking ball down the staircase in like into this tiny little room and then it got down there and it had to get out and none of the doors on that level were big enough for the chairs that literally had to go back up this tiny staircase oh my god I almost had a heart attack <laughs> oh my um, gosh. but the movers moved it down it was like covered in a blanket they put it in the middle of this like atrium space unwrapped it and like all of us were just like whoa the whole thing it was like the light hit it just right and the whole space lit up and it was like wow all that effort over the last like six months, putting all these tiny little tiles on, getting the chair here, almost vomiting while I watch you carry it down this <laughs> fragile staircase. Um, it was like, oh my God, it's worth it. Like, wow, that was like, there's been a few moments in my career, like one where uh, I walked into the first house I'd really been involved in. Um, after it had been done and the clients had been living there for a while. And I was just like, oh my God, like in tears, like, wow, I like, I drew this thing and now it's real. These people live in it. Um, and that was another one of those moments where I like, uncovered that chair and like lit up the room. Um, and so did the shoot, 
which was a 24 hour time lapse of the chair in the space and photos from that. Like, and most of these photos I just like took with my iPhone or like my, the photographer who like lent me his time. Um, these photos that we took went like viral on the internet and they were shared all over on like, I don't, I don't even know like how these people found it or <laughs> uh, it got picked up and yeah, ran with. And um, I think I was in the space when I was like, well, you know, it's here. What am I going to do with it? Am I going to move it back to my folks backyard? That seems silly. Um, so I think I was in the space when I got a hold of David from the future perfect. And he was like, yeah, sure. Bring it on by. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow, that seemed way too easy. Um, cool. I'll bring it on by. And so the movers <laughs> moved it right from the Jean Gloria Killian house to the Casa perfect in Los Angeles. And it sold pretty quick. And from there, that kind of set up a really great relationship with the future perfect. Um, and they have like continued to sell disco chairs. They've really been supportive of my work. They took one to Miami for Design Miami. Uh, they had a piece of mine in a show that they did recently. And yeah, so things are going really well. And they've since also started carrying a lot of the other stuff I make, which is more more architectural work. Um, I do a series of lamps that are copper finials, which are literally like the roof peak elements um, that roofers make. Um, and they've, they've done really well with the Future Perfect. I do um, stone stools that they're now gonna start carrying. So yeah, the disco chair really kind of like opened the door to the furniture world for me. I'd always kind of made stuff, but it was sort of, for myself more or less um yeah so once the chair went there and that relationship started now I feel like I have the opportunity to continue to make more work um and have it not just sit in storage or in my house that yeah. is a, an amazing story <laughs> it really uh, is I actually saw the disco chair from the future perfect and you know they're a great brand a lot of people love them and your chair really mm -hmm. did go it went viral <laughs> yeah um and then I wanted to say that I also saw you were making those case study doorbells from mm -hmm. which I love I've actually used um I've gotten vintage doorbells from first dibs um mm -hmm. from original artists and yeah, I really love those. So I saw those on your Instagram and thought those were amazing. And those lamps are incredible. They they seem to be doing well. So congrats. yeah, they're they were an exercise in how can I make something actually lightweight? <laughs> well, no, I mean they're great because they're lightweight and they're easy to ship. And I they're so simple. Yeah, I do. I really like them. But they actually started as. Um, part of an architecture design I was working on in a house in Idaho. Again, with the ex-partner, we were designing a house for a woman. And I, she was very interested in sort of like old world design, but done in a contemporary way. Um, and I wanted to bring in all these like elements of that, but into the interiors is like interior architectural elements just and not just like roof caps and like <laughs> ballard caps and stuff. So yeah, those started as, yeah, they're good. Those ones are good. I like them. They're lightweight, easy to ship. <laughs> that's awesome. I bet after all the carrying of the disco balls, that's a relief. <laughs> well, yeah, like in 2018, I think now, like almost five years ago, it's crazy. Um, I made this series of stone lamps. Rad. I like hiked the hills, collected rocks put them all on lamps. And I think the heaviest lamp is like 150 pounds. I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> it's just, come on. Like think about something being not so heavy. <laughs> yeah. It's hard sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so where did you find kind of your inspiration for your architecture and for your furniture design? Yeah. That's also another really hard question. Um, <laughs> It's 
That is such a hard question. I mean, there's so much humanity in architecture. I tell people this all the time. Like your relationship with your architect is so intimate, like almost to an uncomfortable degree where like, you know, I can tell you what side of the bed all my clients sleep on, like which, which partner sleeps on which side, like that knowledge of people and like that level of humanity in it and intimacy is not to be um, taken lightly, I guess is the right word. So I guess for me, like when thinking about architecture projects or furniture projects, it really always comes down to humanity and like how people live, uh, what we're willing to put up with and what annoyances we need to like solve out of our everyday life. Um, and like, I'll watch my parents live in their house and the things that, you know, they've lived there for 35 years now. And the things that they're willing to put up with in their home that they never thought they could like resolve in some way. Um, yeah, little things like that. Like how like that. people, yeah, how people inhabit space and how they like actually use objects. That That's a pretty good place to start for inspiration. Because problem solving and inspiration is sort of like hand in hand. Yeah, I like it. Very yeah. like, um, I feel like you have also like an engineer's mind too. <laughs> That's how an engineer would answer that question. Uh -huh. That's what I was going to say. It's like you're totally thinking about the functionality of everything. Yes. Yeah. I'm big on, I'm a big, uh, I'm a pragmatist. Everything's got parameters. I box myself into situations with rules all the time. I'm like very rigid about them. Um, but it's also much easier to explore ideas when you are boxed in, um, cause it kind of like limits just how far your mind, your mind can wander, um, without really, I mean, yeah, that's a tough one because it does limit how far your mind can wander is wander outside of that box. But within that box, your mind can do like whatever it wants to. So it's like a way to limit your endless wandering mind a little bit uh, of boundaries yeah <laughs> yes. I yeah. feel like I need that too yeah <laughs> yeah need some structure in your life for sure yes mm -hmm. but you also seem very upbeat and you know really passionate about what you're doing so do you have any advice on that for listeners oh my gosh it's so funny I was talking to a developer friend of mine recently and I was like how are you doing what you're doing like what advice would you give me like, I need an architecture project because I just got my license. Like I'm sitting over here, like twiddling my thumbs. Like, how do I make a project happen from the financial side of things? Um, and it obviously snowballed um, <laughs> into this like massively pessimistic conversation about the state of the world, like what ethical design and architecture is and what it means to build responsibly and how LA is sort of done and there's no room left for these things or whatever. Um, and at the end of the conversation, he was like, wow, I don't know how you manage to keep going and making things and building things and you're so productive, but you are so pessimistic in your outlook about what the future holds or whatever. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was just laughing. And he's not the first, I've had other people tell me this before. And I think that it's like, um, I don't know. It's a tough, uh, it, it's tough to like, how do you make work for a world that you don't know will still be the same world and we don't know how much longer time or whatever, um, where you can look back at people's work from the mid-century, right? Like we all collect, well, we don't all collect, but mid-century modern furniture now is like a commodity and people respect it and it's gained value and it's gained like cred. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but in you know the same amount of time till now from then in the next hundred years we all don't really know what like the world economy the world's environment ecosystems like what it is going to look like going forward so you do have to have this like pretty strong ethos of like here and now um mm -hmm. because you can't think about the future or you'll just get bogged down in you know the endless uh bombardment from social media of how things are just not looking so hot <laughs> I think we've always been reminded that <laughs> yeah 
but lately I feel like it's, it's been a rough few weeks for the, for the world's, uh, what do you call it? Emotional psyche. Um, so yeah, I do. I think it's really important just to kind of like stay focused on like doing the best work you can at the moment you can with the skills that you have and like, she's always making quality work. And that also sometimes the work, you know, falls apart or <laughs> yeah. you don't craft things as well as you could have. And you, you get it back and you have to like fix it up a little. And that happens too. And it, it just, you know, you got to do the best you can at the moment you can with the skills and capabilities you have. Exactly. You just reminded me, I saw someone's Instagram story and I think they live in LA, but they were saying how, you know, they see all of these like empty shopping malls and all these empty buildings um, that are just sitting there and boarded up. And they're saying, you know, they hope one day those spaces turn into maybe, you know, like gallery spaces for artists and like the skyscrapers that are in New York, if, you know, they get abandoned one day, they turn into like vertical gardens or whatever, something to help, you know, the ecosystem there. And she was kind of relating it back to, you know, countries in Europe that have these beautiful buildings that have like withstood centuries and, you know, they serve like a purpose and a history. So, you know, how can we make our architecture in America kind of have the same kind of meaning behind it Mm -hmm. and last for generations. So it made me think about that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And also, I mean, it's okay to make mistakes and learn from our history's past. And obviously there's so many abandoned buildings and things are so negative, but it's okay to have, you know, like we say, it's okay to have not so good ideas sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, America is kind of that not so good idea, right? I mean, (laughs) I think a lot of people would get on our case about this. I like wholly love America and I, you know, I really like, this is who I am and this is my home and this is everybody I know and love. So I don't hate it. I'm not a hater, but I will say that like a lot of the things that America is built on are things that probably were not good ideas. <laughs> yes. And we'll end it on that. I'm just <laughs> but that does bring us into, you know, our kind of little outro, which where we ask you if you have a not so good idea or a good idea you may have already expressed them but you know you can yeah I don't know I I didn't think about this at all I like did not have time to think about this at all and I was really hoping that either the question would go away or it would get answered (laughs) you could say a not so good idea is these questions um (laughs) well how about this one I parked down the street and walk to work because there's no parking on the job site. And Monday, I parked down the street because I didn't want to bring my car on site because there wasn't room. And my car got hit while it was down there. So parking down there was a bad idea. Oh, Um, no. (laughs) I know. I almost worked from home Monday, too. I was like, oh, I should work from home. It's not much for me to do on site. Maybe I just, like, get it done from the home office today like no I'm gonna go to work bad idea (laughs) is your car okay are you able to drive I don't know it had to get it got hit bad Um, oh no yeah so it had to get towed back up to the valley and it's probably gonna be a while before it's fixed but hopefully it's fixable we'll see I I don't know I don't know what a total loss is anymore considering how expensive cars are right now um (laughs) so my guess is it's fixable Oh my oh, gosh, man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> it's just inconvenient. It's a big inconvenience. Especially, I feel like, where you live, that is a big inconvenience. You can't just, like, walk to work. <laughs> no, you can. I, I live pretty far from the job site, so no, I cannot just walk to work. Oh no, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Do you have a good <laughs> idea, though? <laughs> what is a good idea? <laughs> I mean... Right now, what good ideas have I been throwing around? Um, Oh, you know, I did have an idea. This is a funny one. I don't think it's a really good idea, but it's an idea that I had and I followed through with it and it was kind of cool. I wanted to make a disco tub 
Um, oh my gosh. Because I thought it'd be so cool to have a disco tub. Um, and I was like, well, I wonder if the glue is going to work underwater. Like, will the mirror even work underwater? Because, you know, the light reflects differently. And I was like hosing off my car in the driveway at home because I had brought it to site and there was like dust all over it. I know I'm an awful Angelino hosing my car. <laughs> um, water shortages. Anyway, uh, I saw a rainbow when I was hosing my car off and I was like, dang, I'm pretty sure if all those little mirror tiles are underwater, they're not going to reflect back light. They're going to reflect back rainbows. And in my head, I was like, disco rainbow. Um, not that I'm like in love with disco or rainbows, but it was this like kind of like offshoot little science experiment I did one weekend and it actually worked where this bowl, I, I filled like a stainless steel bowl, uh, with disco tile in the interior, uh, kind of looks like that Anish Kapoor sculpture that people have been posting about recently, mm -hmm. um, filled it with water, stuck it in direct sunlight in my dining room and like, boom, like hundreds of little rainbows like it was a rainbow disco that's um, so cool yeah so it was one of those things where it started as an idea to make a disco tub and then like through the evolution of like actually like testing out the idea and figuring it out I got a disco rainbow to happen which was like ah cool I mean it's so obvious we all did it when we were like in science class in elementary school we stuck a mirror underwater reflected made a rainbow <laughs> um, but you like forget that like playfulness sometimes and like even those like silly little ideas can yeah actually make cool projects so hopefully I'll get to make the disco tub um yeah <laughs> if you don't hear back from me or from the podcast and the episode hasn't come out yet it's because I'm making a disco <laughs> tub <laughs> that sounds amazing <laughs> right so cool. yes yeah. we all need one <laughs> yeah. I mean, it might not be the most comfortable bath ever. Like it might just have to be a disco body, a, a mini disco body of water. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I know it, it was really cool when it happened. And I was like, wow, kind of like be like a disco shower, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, it needs direct light is the problem. Oh, that's true. That's true. It can't be like, yeah, it has to be like to get a rainbow, it has to be light from the sun. Otherwise, you're just going to get like a reddish or bluish rainbow because the Kelvin and the light is like either red or blue, I guess. Is that how that works? Yeah. You need like a skylight in your shower and then <laughs> yes. you're set. <laughs> oh, then you're set. Then you're golden. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I feel like you were a great guest and you gave a lot of your insight and I'm sure you inspired a lot of listeners. I hope so. That's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> do you, how, so how can people find you? Do you want to do a little self-promo really quick? Um, sure. I, uh, very informally. Um, I think that Instagram's probably the easiest one. Um, and that's L-A-L-L-A-N-D. Um, and then I do have email. I answer them all. So if you hit me up through my website's email, I will definitely answer. Um, I uh, have a very outdated website, uh, land with two L's dash studio.com that I literally have not updated probably. And I don't, I don't even know, but it's, it's in the works. I think now that I have my architecture license, um, there's going to be like a huge rebranding is the wrong word because I don't consider myself a brand, but um, some kind of new cohesive package for everything that includes the architecture and the furniture making and the construction. So it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, everything Thank happens you. slower than you think. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we know. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. We really appreciate your time. And we don't want to hold you any longer. I know you're on site right now. <laughs> I'm about to go home. All right. <laughs> thank you. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, we really hope you guys like this episode and um, make sure to follow us on our Instagram at notsogood.ideas. And if you're an artist or a designer, 
feel free to reach out to us and maybe you can come on the podcast and be a guest. Our email is notsogoodideaspodcast at gmail.com and all of our podcast episodes come out on Thursday. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.